and Psalm 127. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 28. And then we'll go to Psalm 127, verse 1. And the title for my thoughts today is, On What Foundation Are We Building? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Now let's go a moment to the book of Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Father, we thank you that your presence is in this place. We thank you for saving us, for redeeming us, for delivering us from the power of darkness, for translating us to the kingdom of your dear Son. Father, we are eternally grateful. Thank you for grafting us and grafting us into the vine for giving us the privilege Lord of being children of God and co-laborers with you and co-heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ dear Holy Spirit I pray that you teach us through your word I pray that you preach that you teach speak through my lips and think through my mind and open up the eyes of our understanding Lord that we might understand the, the wonderful principles of the kingdom of God the things of God that we might be able to think like you think that we might be able to see like you see, that our heart might be broken for the things that break your heart, that our hearts might be overjoyed by the things that bring joy to your heart. I will be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I remember, I believe it was 1998, my wife and I, uh, we went through, a, uh, I believe it was a almost one year search for a home and we looked at churches in every region I mean it was very frustrating especially for me Um, my wife took it more of a creative posture I I just said let's get a home Um, for me it was just acquiring it her was just the journey she she enjoyed the the process and meanwhile we get more frustrated as time went along but we finally um, agreed on uh, 28 Tom Woman Avenue uh, it was pretty much an older building, 1921, uh, and we moved in, and when we moved in, we changed the place. We changed the environment. Uh, the house became a home. Our children moved in with us, and now, uh, 12, 13 years later, uh, even though we sold the, whole, the home last year, we have a bunch of wonderful memories. That place became more than just a house. It, it became... A home, uh, not just a dwelling, but it, it became a, a refuge. It became a shelter. It became a household, so to speak. So a house is much more than just uh, a, a place of land where there's a couple of walls and a ceiling on it. There's family. There, there are memories. There's protection from the elements. Uh, there, there is uh, the issue of, of shelter. The, the issue of, of you have uh, roots somewhere. So there's a lot to that. The scripture talks about different types of homes. Uh, it talks about tabernacles. It says that we ourselves are a tabernacle. So say to your neighbor, you're a tabernacle. And in you dwells you. In this body, you dwell. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. So we need to respect our bodies. We cannot mistreat our bodies. We need to respect our bodies. We need to honor our bodies. 
the tabernacle that Almighty God uh, gave us. So we have many homes. We have uh, our personal lives. So say to your neighbor, you are a tabernacle. So there's a covering that comes with that. There's a shelter. There's a refuge that comes with that. Uh, A marriage can create a home. A family can create a home. Our bodies as a living temple. Um, In your business, there can be uh, even refuge or a portion of that refuge. Uh, Also, your future legacy could be a home for others. You know, you're building something. All of you are building something. So it's not whether you're building or not, it's you're building something. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to the wise man who built his house. See, we're all building. We're building our house. And in the house is a combination of your personal life. In the house, you could include a wife or a husband, children. In that house are your habits, things you do. And in that house is your business life, your job, what you do outside of the home. In, in that house is also your future legacy. Say with me, legacy. As we were worshiping and Minister Natalie was sharing, I kept on getting the, the word in my spirit, freedom. Freedom. Some of us are about to come into that place where we're being offered freedom. And I believe it has to do with this. Whose house are we building? What are we doing? What type of legacy are we leaving for a future people? Your natural children, your spiritual children, your local church, your job, your workplace. You know, we leave legacies even in the workplace. How many people have been celebrated? They've literally uh, left or created signposts, Mr. So-so-so way or place or street or avenue. Why? Because he or she did something great in the community. So they left a business legacy. It's very important that we understand that. We are building something. Say to your neighbor, we're building something. And the Bible says, what good is it for man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? It's found in Mark chapter 8, 36. So many people are working and working hard and labor and sweat, and yet it says that they're building something in such a way that they are ignoring the more important things. And to, to us, we are being constantly bombarded. You're being bombarded on TV. You're being bombarded by commercials. You're being bombarded by Madison Avenue. By that I mean all the advertising bases that are trying to feed you stuff. One day one of my children said, Oh, I I don't get fooled by stuff. I'm not a follower. You're not a follower. Then why are you wearing those sneakers? You're not a follower. Why are you wearing that shirt? Why do you like that logo? Oh, man, because that logo is cool, man. It's cool. Who told you it's cool? We get fooled into thinking that if I wear that stuff, I'm going to get the girls. That didn't go down right. I, I, I only got one ouch. Think about it. If you smoke the cigarette, that girl right there, she's, you know, going to be one of you. Or you buy that car. Listen, it's out there. We just are so brainwashed, not desensitized, we are sensitized to that. No, no, it's not your bad. Some things, they desensitize you, and other things, they sensitize you. But if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you like that shirt, if you like that, oh, no, I just like that stuff. Who told you you're supposed to like that? You saw it in a commercial over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. We don't eat burgers anymore. We eat McDonald's. When did the name change? Mommy, I want to eat McDonald's. You cannot eat McDonald's. All it is is a piece of paper, corporation. You're eating paper. What are you eating? McDonald's. No. But they're fooling us. They're playing with our head. And we are accepting it. And unfortunately, many of us are gaining the world and losing our souls in the process. So when we talk about a home, when we talk about a ministry, when we talk about accomplishments, when we talk about futures, are we considering that we're building something? Most of us, we're not even aware that we're building, but we are. Yet here it says, 
that there was a wise man. Say with me, wise man. A wise man who built his house on the rock. We know today that that rock is Jesus Christ and his sayings. Why? Because he said it there. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. See, so we know Jesus was talking about his sayings. If you apply my sayings to your life and you build according to my sayings, you are a wise man. How many here are wise people today? I think, I think Sister Jessica said it. She says, we're supposed to be reading the word every day. Didn't you say that? I think you said it, right? What are we reading every day? What are we meditating on every single day? Do we read the post every day? Do we read the daily news every day? Are we sure to get our shot of Channel 7 Eyewitness News? Or are we listening to the real wives of... McGillicuddy? <laughs> what are we listening to? I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it because it's relevant. Are we getting our cues from Snooky? Hello. Somebody said, who's Snooky? <laughs> I'm not interested in explaining to you who Snooky is, but if you know the name, you're getting cues. So Jesus was saying, you have to be very careful what you hear. So we have to more than ever make sure that we have ear gates that, are, that have filter meshes. And we have to make sure that everything that comes in is meshed properly. We have to vet everything that comes through our ears. We have to pre-qualify everything we listen to. And more and more, as we do that, I'm going to give you another relevant thing. You, did anybody here ever see uh, that movie where here we have this guy working in an office and suddenly gets a call and suddenly gets invited to, a, 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 I guess, a, a celebration, a party, and then a young lady comes to him and come follow me if you want to know the truth. Oh, you're getting it now? And suddenly he gets presented a scenario. You could either have the red pill or the blue pill. Which one's that one? Matrix, exactly. Some of you know that. Again, I'm just sharing things that are relevant to us, things that have been fed to us that are indigenous to our culture, our time. You don't say this to a person from 1910. They won't recognize that. They have their own things. But here, what are we hearing? This boy decided, I want to know the truth. He says, are you sure? Once you take this, ain't no going back. Are you sure? What did you say, honey? How far the rabbit hole goes? How, what's the saying? Okay, if you take the red pill, I'll show you how far the rabbit, the rabbit hole goes, right? Well, here's the thing. The more we decide <clears throat> to investigate and to ask questions and to say, hold on a second, does this align with the Word of God? And we start asking the questions instead of assuming that it's just the way it is, this is just normal. Something's really abnormal. But we've accepted them so much. They keep on saying it to us. You know, if you hear a lie enough, you'll start believing it. You know, if you start hearing an aberration long enough, over and over and over and over again, it will desensitize you and you will accept it as the norm. Well, it is brainwashing. It's exactly what it is. It's conditioning, brain conditioning. When we read scripture and we see the way men and, God of women, and women of God lived and how Jesus has asked us to live, in every single generation, not just in his generation, eternal truths and principles, you'll find that most of these principles are now being attacked. Politicians are attacking them. Hollywood is attacking them. If you want to live righteous before God right now, people are going to call you weird. If a teenager is a virgin, you're weird. Am I saying anything weird out of place here? We should talk about it here in church because they are talking about it out there. You're weird. Why are you weird? 
when just 20 years ago it was normal. There's been a concerted attack on the sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what the Bible says? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And the more and more we get away from the word of God, the more foolish a generation becomes. And the more and more I hear some politicians, some leaders in our country, people that we think are heroes, some sports people, some people from Hollywood, the more foolish I see them. You know why? Because I continue to adhere to the principles of the word of God. I'd rather be wise in God's eyes and foolish in the world's eyes than wise in Hollywood's eyes and foolish in God's sight. Because Hollywood will come and go. But God's word will always remain. Hallelujah. So what are we hearing? The second thing is what are we putting into practice? And here's our problem. More and more we're being desensitized because we're not getting it. That most of the stuff you hear today is a lie. 99% truth and 1% lie is a lie. You mix 99% truth with 1% lie, it's a lie. It's a deception. Except Hollywood, Madison Avenue, and anyone that wants to deceive you, and especially the father of all lies, knows that the way to get you is not by giving you the whole lie one shot. It's giving you 99% truth, 1% lie. 95% truth, 5% lie. Then 80% truth and 20% lie. Little by little they spoon feed you until you acclimate to the lie. Number three, are we functioning as wise builders or are we functioning as foolish people today? Well, everybody else is doing it. Okay, so if everybody else throws himself from the throws himself off of the Empire State Building, you're going to do it? There's just some things that I'm not going to follow the crowd on. Number four, where are we building our life and legacy? Are we building it on sand or are we building it on the rock? I prefer to build on rock each and every time. Jesus is my rock. I was, I was so grateful to see all those young folk in Times Square, I often walk through Times Square. I'm a walker. I love walking. We don't live too far from Times Square. So I manage a building downtown in that general area, and I love to walk. And my best prayers many times are done while I'm walking. So, Nate, I'm just hanging out. I'm walking all by myself. Sometimes my wife comes uh, with me, and we walk together, and I look, and I observe, and I'm praying. I pray for people. I pray for you. I pray for my family. And I walk around and I say, you know, Lord, it's amazing to see how much wisdom you've given man in the natural. And how they're able to take a little molecule, the atom, the electron, and, and, and use its mighty power to such a great degree. Where you have lights all over the place. They no longer have big screens. The building is the screen. If you've been down there, it blows me away. The immensity, the enormity of it. Just 25 years ago, that would have been something, wow, that's, that's going to be you know, in the future. Jetson age. Well, hello, we are in the Jetson age. It just turned out a little different than what we thought. We have the modern conveniences. We often thought it was going to be the Dick Tracy watch. Remember Dick Tracy? No, you're too young for that. Al, only Al and I have remembered Dick Tracy. And Al followed after Dick Tracy's steps. (laughs) They used to communicate through watches that were actually little screens. And they were, you know, Dick Tracy out. And it was a really cool thing. Everybody wanted a Dick Tracy watch from their children. For crying out loud, I still want a Dick Tracy watch. Those things are cool. But they got it wrong in terms of the name. It's called the i4. The iPhone 4. I'm sorry. The iPhone 4. Yeah, that's what it is. Because now you could see yourself and you could see the person on the other iPhone 4. And you could talk and communicate. So We are in the Jetson age. 
But I would have really appreciated those little one-man cars that can fly. That I would have really appreciated. Huh? Yeah, but that's too, that's too slow. I don't want to get to my car when I'm 80. I want to enjoy it while I can still hang out with it and, you know, and fly around and go around in circles and all that other stuff. Not cost-productive now, but there's coming a day when they're able to get uh, a weird... Uh, Maybe power, uh, solar panel power, or take an orange and throw it inside, you know, and, and use a Cuisinart and just throw it inside and and get power. I don't know. A juicer that, that can, you know, make something fly and go into the future. You see how conditioned we've been? I'm doing this on purpose. I bet you even know the movie I'm talking about. How did you know? I didn't mention the name. That's how conditioned we have become. We have to be very... We have to be very careful about this. Where are we building? Are we building our legacy, our life on the rock? Or has everything that you worked on going to one day dissipate? Because Jesus promised us, he says here, that the rain will come, the floods will come, and the winds will blow. Rain descended. There are times where things are going to descend on you from every angle. You're going to go through issues. Problems, circumstances, breaking patterns, things that overwhelm you. And rain will overwhelm you. If you don't have a, 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 you know, something to cover you, maybe an umbrella, maybe a jacket, maybe a waterproof type of setting, it's going to wet you completely. Rains will come. Say to your neighbor, rains will come. But it also says, not only will rains come, but... The flood also comes, and the winds blow. And later on it says, the floods come, the winds blow. Are you aware that water can actually grow in a moment, increase in a moment, depending on how much it rains? And some of us here have experienced that, where, where the problem comes from here, the problem comes from there. And it all comes suddenly. Problem comes from there. Problem comes from behind you. It, 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 it sideswipes you here. It knocks you behind your head, and suddenly you're overwhelmed. Now, Jesus is saying, this is going to happen to all of us. And then somebody can say, man, it's already happened to me. Somebody here can say, I'm in the middle of it right now. One of you will stand right up, and literally you're soaking. <laughs> Because it's happening to you right now. But Jesus says it's going to happen. But when it happens, he says the one that built on the rock was able to stand. He did not fall for was founded on the rock. Everybody is building something. And here's the key. Are you ready for the key? The key is personal leadership. Not the government. Government can't help you on this. Most of the time your family can't help you. Most of the time, your church can't even help you other than pray for you and pray with you and give you a good word that you could mm, chew and eat and pray with. Maybe give you a good hug. Maybe give you some good fellowship. But ultimately, personal leadership will either take you, make you, or break you. Why? Because it says, the man built the house. Who built the house? The man built the house. We're the ones that build. Therefore, our actions, our disciplines, our decisions are the ones that are going to impel us to go one way or impel us to go another way. I was talking to somebody and I said, yeah, I got a bad temper. I says, no, you have a temper. Everybody has a temper because God gave us the temper. And that temper is to be used as a tool. To be able to get your gut working, to get your strength out there. Sometimes you need that because somebody's picking on you and you need to bring them down. Sometimes you need to get that job, so you need to get off of your blessed assurance and get up there and go fight for it. Some of you guys, you like that girl, but you know. You gotta stop being a mealy mouth little, you know, weakly, you know, weak at the knee. Oh, I don't know, she might reject me. Oh my God. Get yourself up and get some anger up there and go for it. Think about it. Anger is a good thing. 
Jesus just said, don't let the anger go down on your, or the, don't let the, the sun go down on, on your wrath, on your anger. In other words, you control it. Anger is a good thing. Anger will say, this is enough, man. I'm going to stop this nonsense. I'm going to stop this bad habit. I'm going to stop letting them pick on me. I'm going to stop letting this situation overwhelm me. Enough already. Say with me, enough. enough. See, it doesn't happen until you get angry about it. You understand? You've got to go at a situation. You know, even, even lions know that, man. I'm hungry, I'm starving, but they don't just sit there, I wish somebody would feed me. They don't do that. It's time to eat, i got to get out there. Kids, you stay here, I'll be right back with a meal right in my mouth. And they go take care, they go right out to the jugular, and they literally do. <laughs> and they come back with the meal, otherwise they die. But here's this, the, the situation, I have a bad temper. No, you have a temper, everybody has a temper, everybody has strong emotion. But the key is the threshold. Sometimes you have a low threshold. Anything bothers me? Yeah, because your threshold is low. Because you, you don't realize you could raise your threshold. I have a low threshold of pain. Well, raise your threshold. Do some exercise and put yourself through some painful situations physically and you'll be able to endure pain more. You understand? Know as an angry man, I can choose to say, this is not the battle that I wish to fight. This is not the mountain I wish to die on. There are more important things. I will save my tools for another day. Your anger could be the greatest tools in the world. Your anger will give you the confidence you need at the right time. But if somebody looks at you the wrong way and say, yo, man, you looking at me? Huh? You looking at me? Come over here, man. I'm going to tell you who I am. You want to know who I am? Come here. I look at him, you fool. And I know nobody here does that. The church across the street does that. <laughs> but not you guys. You see, you understand, we're the ones that determine when we're going to release it. And, and when you're immature, you let it out. Well, I'm angry. What do you want me to do? Hold it. You tell your anger when it's supposed to manifest. But if you don't do that, you allow anger to be your master, it'll be an angry, disgusting, horrible taskmaster. We're the ones that need to discipline our tools, our resources that God gave us so that we can succeed in life. I'll get angry if somebody's messing with my kids. I'll get angry if somebody's messing with my wife. Now, I won't go with a, with, with a gun. I'll say, shh, shh. Get away from my wife now. I won't do that. I'll say, enough, that's my wife. You respect her. Now, if the guy tries to hit her, then I'll take this and I'll take this. <laughs> I'll take the five-fold ministry and I will let them know how much they need to respect her. Oh, man, our pastor's out of order. No, I am operating in context. Because the Bible said I'm supposed to love my wife like Jesus loved the church. The devil tries to mess with you. Jesus is after them devils. You understand? So I have to protect them. And plus God gave me the anger to protect them. Protect my family. Not to get angry at every little thing. Somebody told you something, you know, it sounded a little off. Or sent you an email. Or tweeted you something. You misunderstood it. <laughs> that vein gets so big in your head, it almost pops every day. Yet we know stress will make you old before time. We just go with it. You know why? You're immature in that area. You don't understand that you don't have to go through that. The more you mature in wisdom, you'll be able to realize, mm, I discern right now, this is not the place to get angry. And boy, we have a lot of opportunity to get angry, don't we? Because we live in a spoiled society. Everybody's offended nowadays. Everybody wants to sue nowadays. They said something, oh, I'm offended, that's it, I'm suing. I'm amazed, how can we live together? And it once again goes back to Madison Avenue. Goes to these ambulance chasers, of, you know, I'm saying that, you know, some people go overboard. Society, you get a big quick buck. No. Temper. 
yourselves. Or like, like Julio always says, calm down. You need to know when to rise up. You need to know when to calm down. You understand? <laughs> so when we're in control of our, uh, our faculties, personal leadership. Proverbs 25, it says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like the city broken down without walls. Control is the greatest asset we have. Controlling the tools we have. Controlling our mouth. I remember years ago, several times, many times, I would say something in, a, in the heat of the moment. Have you ever been in the heat of the moment and suddenly you say something that you know the second it came out of your mouth? It's just one nanosecond. You know you're in trouble. You know it's not going to land well. Remember? Anybody here? No? Nobody? Okay, the altar is open all over again. And the second you say, you know, it shocks. And here's the problem. Once the word goes out, it goes out at the speed of sound. So you can't block it. You can't stop it. It's not like the, no ordinary family. But they suddenly have these superpowers. I like stuff like that. But I know it's fantasy. I can't catch my words once I sent them out. And here's the problem. It's harder to correct than to never say it. It takes more energy, more emotion. Sometimes it's irretrievable. Sometimes we can't correct. So it's better that we discipline our own spirit, that we discipline our mouth, that we discipline how we project our anger, how we project our strong emotions. When you think about heroes, what are some of the characteristics that you appreciate? When you think about true, bona fide heroes, what are some of the characteristics that for you are important? Integrity, you said honesty, selfless, huh? Bravery, yeah, bravery, okay. Okay, so we got courage, integrity, honesty, selflessness, bravery, fearlessness. Wisdom. Right? Sounds good, right? You like a hero? Huh? A cause? In other words, a hero is moved by a cause. You've got to have a cause. Huh? Desire. Okay. Strong desire. Okay. Another group. Justice. Justice and the American way. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so what about, okay, you, you mentioned something that another group said character and integrity is important to them. They need to be secure in who they are. Heroes need to be secure in who they are. They need to be authentic. And you guys said integrity and honesty. They need to believe in what they're doing. Okay, believe. What about they need to be disciplined and principled? You like that? I think so. I think a true hero. So I get concerned when, when somebody says, my hero is, is, is some of these singers today. Well, sir, I, I just, I've heard it. You know, is it my hero? Why? What did he do for you? What did she do for you? Besides sing crazy songs and, and curse and, and do movements that are really weird. And, and, and literally, literally dress with meat. That's nasty. Not my hero. I want to go meet with her and take that piece of meat and slap her with it. Huh? <laughs> I mean, that's the weirdest thing in the world. Yet that's becoming today's normal. And you know what's the sad thing to me? 12, 13, and 14 year olds. It's, it's a worship. 
It, it, it almost becomes like a worship. She's more, she's more famous than most of our leading heroes and politicians and people that really have done things like this. You no longer have to be a person of character, just as long as you're flashy. Just as long as you could do the, 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 the major gyrations. So a lot of moms are putting their daughters through school so they could dance and do all these gyrations so they could get rich and famous. The problem is, then later on, a lot of them go bananas. Because that worship, that, that human worship drives them crazy. You know why? They can't take it. Now I'm getting people angry. I know. See, it's not my job to make you feel good. It's my job to make you think. It's my job to make you think via kingdom of God versus the world. Honestly. Because right now we're looking, we're reading the weekly saga, the saga of Lindsay Lohan. Will she be in prison this week? Or will she be free this week? And think about it. That should be breaking your heart. And now the other one, the Paris Hilton. She went, actually she didn't even bother going to prison. I wonder why. Can't be the name. If it was you, you'd be in prison. Don't let anybody fool you. Especially me. Good water break right here. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? And we worship, many of our young people worship these people. Other times we worship um, sports people. And yet when you look at the personal lives, they are a mess. A total, absolute mess. What in the world is going on? Whose message are we listening to? On whose ground are we building? Are we building on the rock? Or are we building on sand? Oh, Pastor, you don't understand. You old. You don't know, you don't know anything anymore. You old. Excuse me. Rocks are very old. Rocks can be confided on. They're always there. Solid. What building did we pass by the other day? Oh, no, no, no. I went to, I think it's Montefiore. And there's the front entrance, but you see some old jagged rock right on the side. Big, huge. That's solid rock. That was there before they built the hospital. They couldn't get rid of it or something like that, and it's still there. And the facade of the building could be falling apart, and the rock is still there. That's why we need to build on solid rock. And what's solid rock? His word. His principles. I don't care what people call me. I care what God calls me. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, this person said he was a big deal and look at him. He sinned. Yes. Let me make it very clear. Be very careful who you worship. Because men will fail. We all have feet of clay. If you're worshiping me, you're in trouble. I have feet of clay. You hang out enough with me, I might stub my toe. And instead of saying glory to God, I might say something else. <laughs> but my wife will never admit it. She covers me. No, think about it. You know, we put these men and women on pedestals, and then when they fall, oh my God, I thought he was a... No, he was always a man. He was always a woman. Human beings. We're not great because we never sin. We're not great because we never mess up. We're great because our God is great and He's forgiving and He's a good God. Hallelujah. And we're righteous because when we do fall, we get back up again. When we sin, we say, God, forgive me. That's not me. It's not my nature anymore. Well, I recognize that the Holy Spirit lives in me. So when I grieve the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reminds me and says, Son, you're out of order. Get back in order. That's not your nature anymore. So, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because we have a tendency to want to revert back. We have that tendency. And the scripture has a very poignant way of saying it. 
It says when a man goes back to his old life, it's like a dog vomiting and then going back to the vomit and eating it. Yeah, you're right. But yet that's how the Bible says it. It was it's that nasty to God. Then when God takes you, he cleans you up. He puts his spirit in you. And, 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 and he gives you a ministry and he gives you eternal life. And he, now he calls you his. Now you're part of the kingdom of God. Now you're a prince and a princess. And you're walking around. You, you're, you're walking in his robes. If you could see in the spirit the robes that he's given you, you'd say, oh my God, who am I? But yet the spirit world sees you that way. They see your robes. They see you cleansed in white, uh, or clothed in white rather, and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. It's happened to me sometimes where people who are either psychic or they have a, a, some form of ability to see into the spirit realm, they go, well, this one's pure. Why do they say that? It's because God cleansed us. Now, I tell them, I said, I don't, I don't need your stuff. I, I don't need your nonsense. You don't need to be psychic in me, okay? I, I have the Holy Ghost. I know it. I don't want to get even mess. I don't want to mess with that stuff. I know who I am in Christ. You don't have to be telling me anything. I don't want you prophesying to me, predicting me anything. I don't want you to give me any incantations, any potions, any of that nonsense. I don't need it. I already have the blood of Christ. I already have the kingdom of God. I already have his love. But the point is, is after we do, do all that and God cleanses us, suddenly we go right back to that life. And once again embrace all of the dirt and the damage and the nonsense. We go right back into his hands. God looks at it and says, what are you doing? And you know, even still, his love continues to go after you. His love continues. He sees you as a prodigal son. In other words, he still calls you son and daughter, but you're in a wrong place. You're out of order. You're out of your design. You're out of your nature. You're out of your natural environment. We're like fish in land. We're going... That's all, that's all fish can do when they're on land. See how cumbersome fish are? He's looking at you. They're going... <laughs> yeah, they look that way and that way. And they're dying. And that's what we are many times. We get out of the kingdom of God. We, we want to revert. Now I'm tired of that Christian stuff, man. Yeah, the foot and the foot and the foot and the foot and the foot. Yeah, well, that's immediately we start. Our, our vocabulary goes back to the old days. But thank God, once again, nobody here does that. I, I'm so grateful to you. You're such an awesome group. People, if it weren't for Jesus, what would we do? So characteristics of heroes, relational, making others a priority. In other words, I have a chance to save myself or I have a chance to save her or him. And I put my life in danger just to save somebody else. That can be a hero. Have you ever been in that position? And suddenly you're not thinking, you just do it. You go in there and you save the person and suddenly they're calling you a hero. I'm not a hero, I just... Person was in danger, and all I did was just go and save him. But the world will consider you a hero. Let me give you quickly a couple of characteristics. And if you think I'm taking too long, blame Natalie. <laughs> Number one, be secure in who you are. Stop trying to imitate somebody else. Stop trying to be somebody else and be who God called you to be. You're unique. When God made you, He broke the mold. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean it. You're unique. You're special. You're precious in the sight of God. God is so amazing and so diverse in his creative abilities that if you uh, stand in front of a snowfall, you open up your hand and a snowflake falls, you'll be able to see a unique design. And then catch another snowflake, it'll have a different design. That's how amazing God is. Even snowflakes, he takes time to organize them. In such awesome ways. So say to your neighbor, you're unique. You're special. Gee, so stop trying to be somebody's imitation. Be unique. Let me give you a quote. Somebody once said, much of the harm that is done in this world is due to people that want to feel important. They do not mean to do any harm. They just are so absorbed in the endless struggle to think well of themselves. So don't think well of yourself. Just be the best person you can be to help others. Here's the problem with most of us when we're not secure in ourselves. Are you ready? Uh, can, can I get 
the part of you that can take it today? Because I don't want you to get on that play with, well, I'm upset. Well, you know, threshold, threshold. Remember threshold? Increase your threshold just a couple of minutes so I could give you a couple of pointers. Are you ready? I want to talk to you about insecure people. I didn't get even one amen on that one. Everyone went, all right, all right, all right, Pastor. What are you going to say? Number one, when you're over competitive to the point that you always have to win, there's an issue there. I don't have to win all the time. I just have to get the job done. Competitive is good. When you have to win at everything all the time, issues. That happens in relationships. You don't have to win all the time. You know why I know that? A woman of wisdom told me that many years ago. Her name is Gwendolyn Nazario. <laughs> so now we don't argue to win. We argue to see what's the best decision that we can make at that time for that specific situation so we could continue living together. Because we already won. We're on the same side. That's wisdom for somebody right here. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Number two, being envious or afraid of other people's successes. So because of that, you don't and refuse to build an atmosphere that helps others to succeed around you. Because you're afraid they might outdo you. Listen, I don't care if you outdo me. I celebrate if you outdo me. I want you to outdo me. Number three, over, con- overly concerned about other people's opinions, what people think about me. Oh, they, they, they don't like me. Oh, they, don't, they don't care about me. Well, they might be upset at me. Listen, it doesn't make a difference. Somebody's always not going to like you. Some people will love you just because of who you are. Some people will hate you just because of who you are. So get over it, live with it, and hallelujah anyhow. <laughs> Amen. Think about it. Saul, King Saul. The prophet gave him instructions, and he rejected the instructions because the people wanted it another way. So he went the way of the people. So when the prophet came back, he said, how come you disobeyed God? He said, because I was afraid of the people. I was afraid of what the people think about me. Live and learn. Sometimes you have to go against what people want you to do. You know, everybody has a vision for you. Everybody knows what you should be doing. They all know. I mean, there are so many opinions on this earth, that I wish they had a stock for it because I would invest in it. <laughs> Hallelujah. What about the ones that are always demanding respect? Yo, you better respect me. What about that politician the other day, a female politician? They, the, the person called her ma'am, and she said, don't call me ma'am, call me senator. I've worked a long time for that title. Well, no, it became an issue. They even made a commercial criticizing her because of that. So that's more important to you. <laughs> you know, I need to be respected. You better respect me. You know, by you continuing to do that, people will respect you less. Let people respect you for the things you do. For your consistency. For your disciplines. Hallelujah. What about this? Overly defensive and emotional for everything. That's insecurity there. If anything tips you off and makes you very defensive and emotional, you've got to check your spirit. There's some issue that you need to bring before the Lord because you need to be secure in who you are. And lastly, lack of confidence. We've got to check that because lack of confidence will make you lose the job, lose the promotion, lose the relationship. Lack of confidence will make you lose out on opportunities where God wants you to move in. And it says here, confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. And here's the problem. When you don't have confidence in yourself, when other people try to have confidence in you, you'll fail them. Because you won't do the stuff. I want to, I, I want, but, 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 but. You've got to get rid of the buts. You have to develop confidence in yourself. I wish, I wish everybody had a mirror. Because I'd make you look in the mirror right now and say, God loves you. You're special in the sight of God. So lacking that, I want you to go to your neighbor and let them know that. God loves you. You're, you're awesome. You have a great anointing. You're special. Come on, come on. I want everybody to hear that. 
There's some people just looking at me. No, no, I want you looking at them. Come on and share it with them. And I want you to share it with them too. So in closing, in closing, uh, people said amen, right? In closing, Psalms 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Many of us are laboring in vain. We're investing our hard-earned dollars. We're investing our life. We're investing our energies in things that are not going to make any difference 10 years from now. Forget about 100 years from now. Just 10 years from now, they're not going to make any difference. You need to start building where? In the area that God called you to be. You need to start building in your own life, in your confidence, in your education. You need to start building your confidence. You need to start building as God is building. You need to be a wise man and a wise woman. Build by getting the word of God engrafted in you. Because once the rock is in you, then your actions that come out are going to also be rock-esque. It's going to be the same. The same type of DNA is going to come out as you've been filling yourself with, with the word of God. Unless the Lord builds the house. God already gave you building material. His word, his spirit, and principles. So build according to his word. Because in the coming days, those of us that have built in sand, this is what's going to happen. A lot of the stuff you trusted in is going to, it's going to break apart. It's going to tear apart. The only thing that's going to last is what you have built in the kingdom of God. The only thing that's going to last in terms of attitudes, emotions, stuff that's going to endure, stuff that God will look at and says, okay, this, I receive it. The only thing that's going to last is things that you build according to the word of God. There's a scripture that troubles me. It says that when we go before the presence of the Lord, things that are made of wood, hay, and stubble are going to burn. That troubles me. That means we're going to bring stuff before the Lord that as soon as we, get it, we, we go to the presence of God, it's going to just burn away. Stuff that we worked hard for. Stuff that we labored for, minister. The other week, there was a fire. In California, one of these places in the United States, and the lady was talking. She says, everything we worked for went up in smoke. All of our pictures, all the things that were precious to us went up in smoke. And I said, you know, oh, wow, that's, that's tough. And I know what she felt because years ago, my wife and I, we were living in 3267 Hiding Place. Remember Hiding Place, Crystal? Remember the flood we had in the basement? Remember where my office was? In the basement? I had a manuscript, a book that I had written. And I had showed it to various managers in that industry, and all of them had said, this book hadn't been written before. It was unique. Guess where it was? The flood took it. Oh, I grieved. Oh, you know what it is to write all that, and it's gone? I didn't have, in those days, you did writing. You didn't do too much of this. I didn't have that. I didn't have that ability. So I know what it is. To just have, just in a moment, your work just gone. My God. What are you building? What, are, what, what do people see in you? What, what's your image? What are you trying to give to people? Are you aware that if it's not real, in one moment it could, things you've lived your whole life to create an image. I've had several friends of mine who built an image as great pastors, great leaders. One day, something got exposed in their life and they lost it all. What are the only things that can last? People we really need in the coming days to start seeing where we have been building. Some of us, figuratively speaking, we've been taking our life energy and we've been going to Atlantic City and we've been putting it in the slots. Who cares? Let me ask you a question. 100 years from now, will anybody care about you? Anybody think about you? What, what, what is your legacy going to say? I know this is not important to most of you. I know it is. Now you say, Big deal, Pastor. Listen, I, I just care what's going to happen Monday. <laughs> yeah, but after Monday, after Tuesday, when, when God looks down 
And he says, my son is building, my daughter's building, my son is building, my daughter's building. That, I can see in one year, going to be gone. That, five years, going to be gone. That, oh, that's going to last. You know why? Because they have been giving their life, not just to satisfy the supervisor, but in each and every case, they've been going after people and touching them and impacting them and blessing them. You've been giving a word to somebody that's been ill. You've been giving another word to somebody that was hurt. You've, you've helped this couple. You've been praying for this person. You've been sharing God's word with that other person. You keep ingesting the word of God. And you be, you're thinking now more like God. They've criticized you because you're a man of God, because you're a woman of God. But you've continued to stand straight. You've been criticized. You've been uh, persecuted for your faith. But you've continued to stand in the kingdom of God. Those are the things that are going to last. And when the opportunity comes, when God says, okay, I'm ready to release my anointing for this situation, where do you think he's going to send his anointing? He's going to send his anointing to you, to you, to you, to you. Why? Because you have stood the test in the place where nobody's watching. I'm going to say, it, I'm going to say that again. You have withstood the test in the place where people weren't watching. Most human beings will do stuff because somebody else is watching. Hallelujah, glory to God. And they're watching me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They're going, wow, what a man of God. But in your private time, that's what counts. In the private time when the bribe comes in. In the private time when you have the right to do this and do that. But you decide to honor God. In the private moments when you're thinking and you see the beautiful girl walk by. And you get the first glance. You go, very nice. And then you get the second glass. You go, you know, the more I look, it's very nice. <laughs> and it's looking nice every moment. But then you catch yourself. You realize, that doesn't belong to me. Father, I worship you. Give me strength. Give me, give me confidence. In that moment when you're about ready to let that person have it because they deserve it. They just absolutely deserve it. Man, you, you, you need to hear what I'm about ready to share with you. And suddenly you decide, no, I can share without having to get angry. So let me explain something to you. Um, what you said is incorrect, and let me explain to you why. Well, I don't care, man, you stupid man. Stop that. Let, let's explain. I'm going to walk this way, and when you're ready to talk, as adults, we'll discuss this. But right now, you're not in a position to hear what I need to tell you. you Instead of saying, what, what, nothing happened. Except black eyes, except jail time. You understand? We can handle it differently. Where is this going in the couple of weeks? I don't know. I just know that I needed to talk to you about this. I need to speak to the rock-like quality inside each and every one of you. Because as challenges come your way, you have to learn how to stand. Because pastors are not going to be there. Elders are not going to be there. Ministers are not going to be there. Deacons are not going to be there. You're there all alone. And you have to make a judgment right there at the moment. You don't have a time to make a call. Pastor, what would you do in this situation? Have you ever tried calling somebody when you need them and suddenly you can't get through the phone? Yeah, it's going to happen. It'll happen right at that moment. You'll need to make a judgment decision. The, level of, uh, the, the amount of word of God you have inside is going to be the degree of wisdom you're going to have for that very moment. Praise God. So bow your heads with me. And I want us to meditate. Today we took the Lord's Supper. And we were reminded that he loved us so much that he gave himself. He didn't give an offering for us. He became the offering. So our life now becomes an act of gratitude for this action that he did for us. And number two, it becomes, as it were, as it were almost like a billboard of his love. Because when people see you, they can read about his love. Paul said it, we are open epistles, open books, open letters. So are we being open letters right now? Or are we super secret service agents? And nobody knows we're a Christian because they can't tell us apart from them. No, no, this has got to change. Because we're in a lost and dying world, a confused world. They need to see the love of God. They, they need people that they can depend on, people that they can trust in. And our young folk need an example of a man and a woman that's building on the rock. So are you that example? Will you commit today to God to become that example?
on an ongoing basis. And not just be another one of those that, yeah, I know they go to church, but you know, I don't see any different. No, we've got to see the difference. Or rather, they have got to see the difference so you can point them to Christ. Because it's not enough just to preach the message. You've got to live the message. You've got to be the message. Are we building on sand? Or are we building on the rock? So, Father, I thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Lord God, once again that you love us. And today we stand in awe of the privilege that you've given us. But we're also very concerned because on a practical level, so many issues that we're bombarded with each and every day. I pray, dear Holy Spirit, that you strengthen us and grant us great discernment. Touch our ears and our eyes. Lord, that we might be able to see the very things that we want to receive and ingest into our spirit man and reject those things. That we recognize our lies, our deceptions of the enemy, and that we might indeed build on the rock. Cause us, Lord God, to see the difference. That we might build on purpose. That we might be true open letters to the world that will model the love of Christ Jesus. Help us, Lord God, because so many people are going down the wrong path. And this world is working so hard to make it seem that you can go down any path, everything's nice, everything's ice cream, everything's sweet, but yet they don't realize. They won't talk about the devastation of so many people that are depressed. The farther and farther we get away from God, the more depressed we become the more sad we become, the more devastating life becomes, the more hopeless life becomes. Oh God, raise us up in this day and we'll give you the glory, the honor and the praise in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So right there as you're meditating on this word, one of the biggest lies the enemy will make us think is that God doesn't exist, He doesn't exist, that good and bad doesn't exist, it's just a couple of people that are misguided. <clears throat> and if He could get us to catch that lie, then we'll realize life is just a little bit of electricity, a little bit of mud, a little bit of ooze, and suddenly we just popped out of that. And we really have no meaning, we just, we just are. And one day we'll die and that's it. And if you can get us to believe that, that incredible, insane lie, even though it is an awesome thing to consider, that we are so complex, not just on a physical level, but at a microscopic level, we are very complex. And just that alone denotes the presence of a creator. But that's, that's his goal, to try to deceive us. And what happens is we take that lie, we bite that lie. Now we're in a mess. Now we feel depressed. Now we're now we sick. Oh my God, there's no purpose to life. Wrong. Jesus is Lord. He loves you. And as your creator, he's calling you. He's not trying to have you lose your life in the sense that now you're not in control. No, he wants, you to, give, he wants to give you life and life in abundance. He created you. He knows exactly what he created you for. In that walk with God, He'll give you wisdom, He'll give you confidence, He'll give you peace, He'll give you love, He'll give you direction, He'll show you your strong points and what He created you for. Nothing better than that. The enemy has also successfully created an image of church that is such a horrible place, a bunch of hypocrites, you know, oh, they're horrible people. Excuse me, it's not the church, it's humanity. We all have issues. So let's get this right. What God wants to do is help us with our issues and give us strength for life. So let's, 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 let's share that with everybody we meet and break those, those, how can I say, the process of life, almost like the re, recreation of, of what church should be. And each and every day, what they're doing is they're making the image of the church weaker and weaker and weaker. But you know what the scripture tells me? The scripture tells me that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. 
So no matter what the enemy throws, the Lord will show you the truth. So if there's anybody here that needs prayer, if, anybody, if there's anybody here that wants to be connected with Jesus today, I would ask for them to feel free to come up and we'll pray. I'm going to close the service now. I'm going to release you from the service. None special we need to do today, right? Because I closed the service last week and there was something else you wanted to do. Nothing else, right? We're finished? Okay. I'm going to open up the altar for prayer. If you need prayer, I want you to come to the front. We will pray with you. I want for the ministers, deacons to come up and be ready to pray for anybody who needs prayer at the end of this prayer. Let's all stand. I believe that we're coming to the greatest times of the church. And I believe certainly as a church family, I believe that God's going to increase the opportunities for you to minister. He's been setting us up. He's been preparing us for times of awesome ministry. That's what I believe. I'm fully expectant of that. I I sense that in my spirit that we're going to have awesome times of opportunities to minister. So bow your heads with me. Let me close the service and let me pray. Let's uh, open up the altar for prayer. Father, we dismiss from this service now and thank you because your presence goes with us. We ask that you bless the church service that's going to commence in about an hour or so. We ask that you bless uh, this church, this home church. And as we go to our homes, I pray that your angels will guard and keep us from any and all evil. I plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over each and every one of us, over our children, our families, over everything that pertains to us, over everything that you've given us the privilege to steward and to manage. And we dismiss from this place, giving you all the glory, the honor, and the praise in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. God bless you. You're blessed and you're highly favored. If you need prayer, please feel free to come up now.